I know. What, what do you want to talk about, though? Hmm. <laughs> Keep in mind what you think I'm capable of or not capable of talking about. Yeah. You know. What do you feel not capable of talking about? No, that's not what we're going to What you I, initiate. No, what if, I, what, if the, what if that's what I want to talk about? What is it? What do you feel incapable of talking about and why? Oh. Dang, busted. You got me good. Yeah. I was. I think it's. I'm not going for a busted. No, but, but that's like, a good busted, though, even if it's accidental. <laughs> uh. A sense of inferiority mm-hmm. intellectually, even though I feel like I'm a person that pursues knowledge and wisdom in very physical ways and maybe some metaphysical ways too. Like I, I pursue wisdom and intellect, but I think I've lean my brain lean more leans more towards the wisdom sage part of it that's more abstract and hard to determine how real it even is mm-hmm. <clears throat> how do you know if someone's just a wise teacher you know um, versus like knowing a lot of information that a human can acquire mm-hmm. just information reading information about more things I spent so many years my information that I was focusing on was so narrowed in, but I was doing it hardcore, but I wished it would have gone wider because that's who I actually am. My mm-hmm. wisdom or my intellect wants to be wider. So dude, I'm reading, I'm reading stuff about astronomy right now. I'm reading about physics. I'm reading about the like Stephen Hawkins stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that I've only heard like little snippets of cause I never deep dived into it. I just then I heard read an article about something and whatever, and I'm like, okay, what is astronomy? And like, that's one of the first things I ever loved as a child mm-hmm. was the stars. And somewhere along the way, it disappeared. Anyway, so I went I went down a path that was like instead of I'm going to know mathematics more. I always did good in math, but I didn't want to pursue that. I did good in science. I didn't want to go into science. It just was like, I'm not going to like, why would I have to, why would I want to study more about that? That's hard. I think just, so, so if the sciences, for lack of a better way of describing it, I don't know if that's really the right way to describe it. The sciences, that, that intellectual knowledge thing, that's not like literature. It's not like liberal arts. It's like, it's the sciences. Since I didn't pursue it, there's a part of me that feels like I, I don't, almost belong in a conversation with someone or a group of people that are very knowledgeable of the subject. But what if he wants to talk about something that I just can't hang with him, even though I, my brain tries so hard. So there's an imposter syndrome. Is that maybe what that is? Imposter syndrome? Or Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, it is again, kind of that, um, trying to attach specific value to like time and to like conversation and it's like conversation is something that happens between two people and if like someone is saying stuff and you don't understand 
if you like want to understand, you like work together to try to figure out like right. what each part of it means, like why, like what's not connecting, and like if you get to the point where you don't want to, then you move on. All right, so. I've, I've had this feeling on the other side where I know way more about a subject because of the, my specific study. Mm-hmm. I never felt better than a person if they went, now what is that? I don't know what that is. If they just admitted it, I actually enjoyed then engaging. Mm-hmm. But I think there's the inferiority is, I, the re, one of the reasons I might have liked it is because I felt superior to that person. Mm-hmm. So it felt good for me to explain it to this person that doesn't know it. And maybe I'm afraid of, now we're getting to the heart of the question. What am I afraid of? Yeah. (laughs) Did that just hit me? (laughs) I just said, and the thing that I'm afraid of, uh, I like learning from scratch and I'm not, uh, I've always been humble about asking people to teach me things. So I know I'm not afraid of like someone seeing that I don't know something. That's not it at all. Uh, seeming stupid. Mm-hmm. There it is. I think that's the most like average, normal bro way to say it. Yeah. Feeling stupid. But I don't. I never thought somebody else was stupid. Yeah. So why would anybody think I'm stupid if I'm just asking something that I don't understand? Mm-hmm. What the hell, man? That's not stupid. That's not what stupid means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like loss aversion, like you attach more value to something like your own seeming smart or not seeming stupid, rather lack of seeming stupid, uh, that, that when you see it somewhere else, you're like, I don't have to put a lot of value on that. When you have it yourself, you naturally attach more value to it. Because I'm the one experiencing it, right? Yeah, and yeah. because like losing it feels like loss rather than like oh that thing it lost didn't that thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my when I was young, a lot of the like interest I had in learning was directly related to. Um, being able to, like, feel smart and um, kind of feel smarter than other people. Yeah. Like, being able to correct people or, like... um, And, like, part of it is, like, wanting to be able to share something with people because there were things I learned that were, like, not useful as corrections... Um, like, I memorized the longest word in the English language when I was in the fifth grade, uh, and I wanted to, like, just tell my teachers about it and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't to better humanity. Like, I'm gonna, of course, if I know how to fix this thing, I'll show them. You just wanted to. Yeah. And you did it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I I learned things because I just felt like it. I mean, because, like, knowing things and people recognizing me for knowing those things felt good. Uh, right. You know, that became reinforced <clears throat> as, like, it happened more. I started to get, like, good grades in school and stuff. Um, 
But I also just like knowing stuff. I, I always wanted to know how things work. <clears throat> I have questions, and I've learned, like, how to get them answered. Uh, and I also, like, am willing to, um, like, just notice something, like, people post a YouTube video that's just, like, on a subject, or, like... Yeah. Um... Yeah, like, I learn about, um, like, advanced calculus because I watched a video that was, like, kind of a funny video, but, like, was about advanced calculus. What a great combo. Um, yeah, yeah. What a cool person that made that, you know? Oh, I think, I want to show you, you, I think you would like his stuff, yeah. Um, Making learning cool. Yeah, and it's like... It's not so cool that I think if you weren't into the learning part, you <laughs> right, right. could be like, be like, yeah, that was great. Like, I, I loved that just by itself. But, like, the learning part is really cool, and it's easy right to get into it. Yeah. Man, I never experienced anything like that with equations. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I dude, I, I'm not, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Here's where some overlap is with us, but I never pursued it. You ready for this? What I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. I aced physics and I never studied. I got a 100% and I never studied for physics, Jupiter. Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? What? And I, I barely, the only C I ever got in my whole life, which is part of my science inferiority, was in chemistry. Once we got about halfway in, none of it made sense to me. And I went in for tutoring. And I technically, I started as an A and then I went down to a B and then a C and it was like nosediving with tutoring. And I was literally trying. <laughs> other, other classes, I didn't even try Jupiter. And I would get A's or if I really screwed up, I'd get a B, right? <laughs> and um, I would have to like not really have a clue what's happening. And the test comes, I'm like, well, this, I'd get a B if I was like, terrible chemistry no it technically went down to a d but she just gave me a c so that i would pass and move on and i have to take it again physics they would just describe the thing and i would go that probably goes with this and this and i would just do it she'd say you didn't show your work and i was like i just did did it in my head she's like no but you didn't show which equation you use and i went i i didn't use an equation i just did it in my head and she's like but how did you do it in your head and then i would go this would divide by this and then you would do this with it and then back to this and then you have it and she'd go well that's the equation (laughs) and i was like oh well whatever it is that i just said that's what i did she's like but you didn't memorize the equations and i was like i didn't even look at the equations (laughs) i never wanted to pursue it after that because i didn't want to go into the sciences Mm -hmm. and my teacher was like Jason, you aced the class. <laughs> you didn't get one thing wrong on one thing the whole year and you never studied. You might want to look into being a, like getting into physics. And I never, I, Jupiter, I just went, nah. <laughs> oh, so I feel like in some ways I'm, I'm Jupiter if Jupiter never actually bothered studying physics. Yeah. <laughs> you like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because now you know so much about physics. If you said it to me, I'd be like, we're just going to have to start over at the beginning of everything because I can't follow what you're saying. Physics is cool. (laughs) And like... So, yeah, let's do this then. 
Visit the the coolest thing about early physics, I think, is developing a physical intuition and like mm. uh, learning to um, better understand just like how things actually interact. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of that is just uh, like learning to think about things as like connected in certain ways and disconnected in certain ways. Um, Mm-hmm. But, like, there's a lot of confusion between, like, what we observe and what that leads us to believe about reality versus yeah. the several parts that are going on in the background that, um... that lead things to go away that's different than what we think will happen. So, like... Uh, they have you take these little pretests at the beginning of most physics courses, like early physics courses now. Um, that is just like questions about physical interactions and like what you think will happen. Like someone throws a ball, it's like which of these paths is it most likely to take? And some of that can just be, like, memorizing things, learning, like, what the shape of a path the ball is going to take. And some of it is just understanding, like, okay, well, gravity is going to make it accelerate. Right. And nothing's going to make it accelerate after the hand isn't touching it. So it's got to follow a path that's, like... Depends on how much like wind that. and how, what direction it's coming from. And that's the, 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 like, the, the thing that gets in the way for a lot of people learning early physics is the real world is not like an early physics problem. An early physics problem assumes no friction or like no wind resistance. So it's a world that doesn't exist except it's, for it's the ideal. It's just not this world. It's, it does exist. Uh, yeah, okay. Like, but it's not what we're we just experience. taking things we're familiar with and putting them into a world that doesn't exist. And we say, if if this experience that we're having were to be not this experience, but this version of this experience, yeah, this is yeah. how the ball would go it, through the It air. asks for suspension <laughs> of disbelief. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and it's cool because it, it also uh, intersects with things that are like, observable and deductions you can make from observation and how you can come to the conclusions um, that are unintuitive um, or th that... Uh, yeah, th that make you think, like, oh, that's not how this happens. And be like, well... I know in that example, it's hard to believe because you can see the image in your mind of what would really happen, and it is affected by wind resistance. But if we do something like this, we take the same mass, but at a much smaller um, volume, and suddenly there's way less wind resistance. You can see it, it behaves exactly as we thought it would, or something like that. Or like, wow, right. um, you know, people are like, what happens if you're standing on a train and you jump? And then you fall back down. Like, describe the motion that happens there. And <clears throat> people, you know, watch movies and are familiar with real life. And they're like, you would jump and then, like, fall backwards towards the, the train. Because you would hit the air and it would push you back. 
But you can, in like a scale um, model, do the same thing and show that like when wind resistance is not as big a deal, um, it behaves in, pre- in very way. predictably in this way. Like the ball That's goes a great up example and the... it falls right back on the same place on the train. Yeah. Is that what theoretical physics would be like? Theoretical physics just refers to um, physics in theory. But that's not an example of something that's in theory? Um, Because it's testable, isn't it? Yeah, so that is um, a pretty classic example of um, Newton's mm, first or second law. Um, (laughs) I wonder if he would ever be like, was that my first or second one? (laughs) Maybe, maybe he would. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he had both ideas at the same time, and he forgot which order he wrote them down in. Yeah. Maybe he never numbered them. Maybe he just wrote them down. Someone and found that on, slip we of paper like, first and went, this is the first one. And, like, and, he, and then he was like, whatever. He slipped down, and then he was like, I thought of this in a completely different order. That being said, those were my first two. <laughs> so this is one of those. Yeah. <laughs> which is? Um... An object in motion stays in motion unless yeah. acted upon by an outside force. Right. You can see, and you can, in this case, demonstrate that forces um, act in particular directions, and that that the the, yeah. the the statement holds true for all the directions that the force is not acting in. So, the. The ball is on the train. It's basically connected to the train. They're moving together. It gets pushed up by a, a force, a spring, we'll say. Yeah. It flies up. And th- the push gives it motion. And so now it's changed. But that happened because something acted on it. And it's in the direction that the train is moving. It is maintaining the exact same motion because nothing has acted on it in that direction once it left the train. Yeah. Yep. Can you take that as a baseline and then add, and then someone would say, there's your, there's your equation, but it was a, the wind was 11 miles an hour from the north. Yeah, you can. Um, and, and that's when they introduce you to, like, well, at, at first what they do is just introduce wind as a force, yes. which is what describing it as, like... Could be a spring, but it's oof. but it's the wind. Yeah. This force pushing this way, the direction. So if it's blowing with a certain speed, that means it's going to be accelerating you a certain amount. Um it's classic uh, football field goal stuff. Yeah, it really is, man. And I think a lot of there are a lot of sports science things like that that are getting more popularized these mm-hmm. days, and it's pretty fun. Yeah, percentage of, like probability of something happening in this exact scenario if this the ball was literally right there, mm-hmm. and they just go and the math is all there. I had a friend who used to talk about. Um, the like complicated math necessary to calculate what angle and like how hard you need to throw something for it to hit something like to go a certain distance in a certain direction 
Um, it's useful knowledge. And, Super useful knowledge. And people knowledge. are, like, evolved to do it. Like, throwing is, is like... Um, like an instinct that you practice. Yeah, like, we, our brain does all that math by itself. And then we just get we just it. sort of feel for it, and over practice you mu- you memorize that feeling. Yeah, yeah. The it's it, you you recreate an incredibly complex math equation just with like um, creating repetition. Yeah, creating like the pathways in your brain and body necessary to do that. And they are have like been visited, and now that it's easier to revisit them. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. They would agree with you, because it's like muscle memory. You shoot this, and your brain and mentally you picture it, and you practice it so many times. So like when they shoot a free throw, it was more of like this repetition math equation. Then it was just like, dig down deep and try to make this. It's like, no, this is a science, actually. And I'm following the science of this. Mm-hmm. But not. And then it's weird. They literally do have some science. They're like, when it's released at a certain place, it changes the probability of the angle once it goes up higher. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. And people change their entire shot just because of the science of it. Sports, sports science has gone big. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. I kind of nerd out on it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's really cool. So, theoretical physics, what would be an example of that? And then, I'm going to grab whatever you get a sec. Another, whatever this, I had, I'll try something else. I think there was pamplemousse and then lemon. I think I'm going to go lemon. Oh, yeah, here we go. That's probably easiest, isn't it? I mean, this is a fancy spread. <laughs> you want a second? There's there's another that, and then there's lemon. Yeah, we'll go double lemon. <clears throat> I, I feel like there's there's a slight chance that this these things. I'm going to lose my sponsor when I say this. I'm sorry. But these things, I'm not, it's not against any company in particular. This is going to be the next generation's like, we didn't realize it was giving us all cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there was cigarettes, you know? And yeah. they were like, no, our doctors told us it helped calm us down. And then it's like, no, you're all just dead of throat and lung cancer now, and mouth cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cell phones. Cell phones, it's like oh, radiation, your brain got fried cancer, whatever that one is. Yeah. And probably ball ball and butt cancer. <laughs> like any, because of the pants. Mm-hmm. We're all just dying from something that's going to be right around the groinal something or in the head from holding it. But we're goners, right? But nobody's talking about the hit the sleeper. <laughs> yeah. La Croix and Buble. Mm-hmm. I have it on good authority that everyone who has ever had the croin will die or yeah. has died. Yes, that's just facts. <laughs> like, don't don't get mad at the messenger. I'm just giving you yeah. the facts, right? The math doesn't lie. No, it doesn't lie. I yeah. didn't. I, yeah, there was no. I didn't bring any correlation other than what I just said. 
You can make other implications of what I mean, but here's what I said. Theoretical physics So, it's physics where you use a hypothetical situation, you describe it, and you come up with experiments that can help reinforce an, an idea, even if it's, um, it has an origin in concept. Um, so, an, an, an experiment that would be the equivalent, but it isn't the actual... Thing. Yeah, so an experiment is used to um, provide evidence for uh, a hypothesis, which can be part of a theory. Um, so, like, the theory of gravity is this idea that mass, um, mass attracts itself. So, like, massive objects create a force on other masses. And the like. It's a way of describing something that, that is unseen, right? Mm -hmm. But is known to be true. So, not just the word theory, but also it isn't a thing that anyone. Like, it's a force, right? Yeah. It's a, so, there's like, there's gravity <clears throat> as a force, there's the theory of gravity, which is this idea, oh. the modern version. And th this is what physics does: is it te te tells you something, and it's like, eh, and then there's, like, I kind of lied. There's more. Um, yeah, there's more. Yeah, so there's a theory of gravity, and then there's the force itself. There's the force of gravity, um, which is gravity as it has its place in um, quantum field theory, or yeah. um, like just I can't remember what it's called, but there's like base particles and whatnot. Gravity is one of the ways they interact. There's four different ways. Um, but there's also the law of gravity, which is the the math. So, like, the thing that is considered law is the math that we have, like... We can show you on paper right now. Like, we can do the math, and then we can make it happen. Like, it is observable in reality right. that the math works out the way we say it does. So how do you know when you've got one that you can do? So let's say you start here, and then you start here. How do you know when it's time to test it, and how do you test it? And that's, like, a big part of it. Um, what a crazy place to start. experiment. That's um, crazy, man. You got to start somewhere, right? Usually you start with observation. And so you think of, like, let's talk about Isaac Newton. He sort of apocryphally um, had an apple fall on his head, and it gave him the idea that, like, oh, things are, uh, like, masses are attracted to each other. Um, I don't know if anyone knows if that's true. Um, yeah. It sounds like the George Washington stories and all that. Maybe it's just like, a symbol of something, right? It hit him on the head, and that's symbolic of... And then it hit me. Boink. Yeah. Like, the thought occurred to me, literally. It doesn't like matter whether it happened. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether it happened. If it happened or didn't happen that way, isn't the point. Yeah. There's a deeper point of why it's told that way. Um, gravity connected the idea that, like, 
things around us fall down to the movements of the celestial bodies that we were familiar with. Mm. And we were like, oh, this is happening in the same way that is happening. Dude, how crazy must that have felt? Absolutely crazy. And like... Because we, we, since we grew up knowing more about it, it, we go, oh, yeah, we start to see it. But when you just first notice it, dude, that would be crazy. Yeah, you're like, you're telling me that is like a faraway rock that is falling around the sun and we are also doing that? Crazy. Check this out. You're telling, so you said star movement and gravity feel? That was what you are putting together? Right? That stuff moves at the same time that this happens? And yeah, like, this This gravity is the same type of thing as what is making us go around the sun. Yeah. So what we're experiencing here is connected to what we're what that what is happening up there. Mm-hmm. That's astrology, sort of. Yeah. <clears throat> right. What is happening up there is related to, and we're experiencing something down there, and it's related to whatever's happening up there. Is it gods having wars with each other? I don't. And people go, "Yeah, it's gods having wars with each other," and we're like, "Fine." Whatever's going on up there with them, it's affecting us. Mm-hmm. The gods affect us. Yeah. I think that there's a religious connection. That's why sometimes people jump from religion to astrology because they're actually not leaving religious thought. Does that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. But it's more f- physics-based religion. It's a faith that goes beyond it. Don't you, do you agree with this? Do you, maybe I'm just projecting it. Maybe I'm just assuming that you think this, I don't know. It's my understanding I have a joke related to it that we'll talk about later or or some other time. But I have a feeling that astrology has connections to it that are not the kind that that physicists can write in those equations. That have proof, scientific proof, to be the correlation that the astrologists say. That doesn't exist, does it? I think astrology in general is more um, like of a faith in that, like yeah, that's it's what I. It's not like um, it doesn't have a bunch of things that like they can back with science so much right. as like guidance. Yeah, but how do you know if it's even a thing? And that is like where Stories science and- comes from. You do the scientific method, um, and like you do very careful observation to yeah, yeah. make determinations. Okay, so let's just say that happened with astron- with with astronomy and astrology or with like science and astrology, okay? <laughs> and I lo- I actually love astrology. It's so fun for me and I romanticize about things. But then I'm sort of like I don't know if any of this is a thing, but it's super, super fun. Uh, but if science did add up and they were like, all right, (laughs) okay, here's the joke. It's something like this. If astrology and science, if, if astrology could be proved scientifically, the scientific method, (laughs) it'd be like, all right, everyone, um, tomorrow night, uh, Gemini is going to be in or Mars is going to be in Gemini. And as we all know, that could create some confusion 
between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. this morning, tomorrow morning. <laughs> It'll be a general confusion in the air, like a vibe from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. based on because Mars is in Gemini. So watch out for confusion. Some of you, don't forget, to uh, all, all cities have been instructed to initiate their confusion domes over their <laughs> cities because <laughs> it's been scientifically proven, proven there will be a confusion in the air. And four hours of an entire city, if everyone just was like confused and they were just like, I'm confused, there could be chaos in the city. And that actually just explains why crime rate goes up certain nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, but it, some Asheville would have one, <laughs> right? Asheville, some of the Southwest cities would have them. Mm-hmm. The more progressive cities would have them. Uh, and then it would be like, I don't know if Boone would have one. Boone couldn't afford a confusion dome over the city. So there would be like confusion, like helmets, uh, that probably the more liberal people would own because they would be like, well, science has proven that this is true. So we will be confused. So we're going to put on our confusion helmets. And then, and then then the, the conservatives would be like, this is a bunch of bullshit. And then they'd be like, but then between 1 and 5 a.m., they'd be like, look at Because <laughs> they didn't have on their confusion domes. They yeah. should have listened to the science. And conservatives don't listen to the science. And that's the joke. <laughs> yeah. And then half the room would leave because half the room will be conservative. So I don't know if I want to tell that one. Whoops. It's Hi. recording. Hey. I love you, conservatives. You I guys still want to go you. get confused? <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to get messed up? You don't even need beer, man. It's confusion night. <laughs> We're going to drive up in the mountains outside of the dome, get confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But I still... I still don't quite get the difference between the theoretical one and the one with the ball because that still seems theoretical I guess you can do the part of it that wouldn't be theoretical is that like I have physically done the experiment oh yeah with a a cart and a ball and like have done it right and it's, so, it's, like, it's tangible or it's a uh, textile. Or, yeah, you know, it is. My my first high school physics course was largely observing motion and writing down information about it. So, like, position, mm-hmm. speed, um, velocity, acceleration. Um, I never had that. Yeah, and I, like, I had a classroom with a textbook. No wonder I didn't want to keep doing it. It was boring. We just read about what f- the equations are. And then it was like, if this train's going this miles per hour, I was mm-hmm. like, well, okay. <laughs> it's really cool <laughs> Yeah. to get to like, be like, hey, we're going to do this thing. I'm, I'm going to throw this and drop this at the same time from the same height. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think's going to happen? And we're all like... They're gonna hit the ground at the same time. So I'm like, why? And it's like, um, cause I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cause the object falls at the same rate regardless of the size mm-hmm. or weight. 
Like, Except for things like feathers that have alternate things that actually change what they do. Yeah. So there's that a loft. air keeps them aloft. But um, it's sort of, I think it's like solid objects. I can't remember how it's described, but the ones that fall at the same rate. In a vacuum, they all think. There we go. There's the hypothetical. Fall at the same rate. But you can test that. You can put them in yeah, a vacuum. You can. So it's and actually like not hypothetical. We do. And like I was given the opportunity to it i so didn't cool. do that till college but yeah makes like, sense <laughs> i got to like watch them drop a rock and a piece of paper in a vacuum and it, vacuum it, is is a absence of air yeah of of matter so like yeah it is a space with very little matter in it what what would be the matter that exists in it um, there's still a little bit of air, uh, most of the time in, Because like it's, a, like, impossible to remove it all or something? Or, like, it's just impractical and unnecessary. Like, you remove enough of it to the point where it's no longer creating significant force, and that isn't anywhere close to absolutely all of it. Um, Would there be a difference in, <clears throat> like, the importance of the facility and how, ser- how, like, much energy they put into experiments? Would some of them remove more? Yeah. And it yeah. would be like approved um, with this amount of. Yeah, there hardcore. are like much nicer vacuum chambers that are for experiments that require. Nice much. vacuum chambers. Yeah. And you know what's funny is like that is how scientists would name it. They would call it like. Yeah, those. The, the NBC, <laughs> the nice vacuum chamber. Like the Large Hadron Collider, the, the LHC. Um, I've heard of this. Yeah, it's. Um, You'll never believe this. It's a collider. Uh, it's it's pretty large. It collides hadrons. It takes hadrons and it uses. I don't hadrons. remember had, what hadrons are. Hadrons are one of the types of um, not absolute base particles that exist, but like here, I'm gonna just look it up so I don't like say something that's stupid. Um, there we go. You said stupid. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> What I I mean is, like, ineffective (laughs) at communicating. It's a subatomic particle. Um, Yeah, it's essentially a subatomic particle, particle, and we keep finding smaller ones, right? Isn't that sort of the short version, or do I kind of have that misunderstood? I mean, like, you know, it's not so much that we're finding smaller ones now as we're finding different ones these days. Okay, that's new information to me. Hadrons are one of the particles that make up atoms yeah um, or one of the okay. types of particles rather I'm tr- oh my god please so it's part of the makeup of an atom it's not so much zoomed in smaller than some of the one of the other ones but it's a different part yeah it's a piece of it it makes up um not nuts that we can look that small we can I, figure it out small but is this theoretical physics yes because um the experiments we do that prove this stuff are like we make theory and we create math to describe it and then we create experiments to test that and reinforce that it it does predict all the situations we expect it to what kind of freaking tests can you do to prove this and this is mind-blowing one of them like <laughs> for one thing we have a huge collider that's able to crash Hadrons together. Hadrons, how do you know I if you're like protons? Bro, yes. how do you know if you're crashing hadrons together? How do you know you're not accidentally just doing good old fashioned atoms? 
Well, <laughs> you know, one thing is that um, hydrogen is a single proton with an electron, uh, and that proton is a hadron. Is but is what you just said theoretical physics still? Yeah. Okay, I'm like, still trying to figure out how anybody can test it. And show that it's true. So... Physically, not just on paper. Think of, like, chemical reactions that you're familiar with. Yeah. If you were able to combine baking soda and vinegar and make you it foam up and, yeah, yeah. and uh, create hydrogen gas, the math that we do that tells us, that allows us to be like, we know how this works. We know the amounts that they are going to... Um, react in we know the ratios that with that they'll react in and like what will be made because we know what they're made up of and those are atoms so like that is an experiment that reinforces our current model of atoms right on yeah yeah wow there's a lot of outer space stuff theoretical physics yeah, um, largely because, like, we've only sent so many things out there. Yeah. Um, so it's taking measurements and um, like using reliable things to make conclusions um, even when we can't do it with absolute certainty. So, like, yeah. We can try to measure the makeup of a distant star by observing what wavelengths of light it emits. Yeah, I've read, because, I recently read about this, man, and I had never heard it before in my life until, like, I want to say a month ago I read that. Yeah. And it's so cool atoms. that you go, oh, that's where someone started. Like, the first person went, you ever notice that these things are blinking different than each other? started with somebody that cool yeah yeah um someone sees that a star that seems to be blinking and then they discover oh that is a planet going around a star a distant star like someone was the first person to discover that there were planets not <laughs> in the solar system oh man how must have that have felt that must have felt crazy yeah because I keep, I keep, it's, I love it when we keep learning more. It's like, it's not even so much that I have a desire to see what's at the end. That's not even close to what I feel. I'm like, dude, they keep going further. This is amazing. I don't care if it's, it goes on forever. It would be super cool if it did. And my faith part of me. My metaphysical faith, Jason, thinks it does. I think the universe, like, forget about what anyone said theoretically. I go, I think maybe it just goes on and there's never an end. And I know if I know this might not be, like, scientifically true. I'm just, like, that's how I view it in my mind or hope or something like that. What we've observed so far is that the number of questions you're able to ask grows with the amount of information you have rather than the other way around yeah a lot of people imagine there's like you get answers you can you can know it all like it's possible <laughs> yeah, right to have all have it all right learned right. and what we find is that the more you learn the more you realize you don't know yeah 
I feel like that about everything I've ever learned. Yeah. You just learn one thing and you go, all I need to know about this is this. And then you find out and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. That was just the first layer of that onion. And now I'm really learning. That's, that's like, my favorite thing, man. That's absolutely, that's what <laughs> learning is. You yeah. like learn something and it allows you to learn the next thing. And people are like, why did I learn that if it wasn't even true? And it's like, mm. because it allowed you to better understand what's really going on. Yes. And so, like, you learn about, like, motion in physics, uh, and you learn how the math interacts with that and how you can actually use it pre to predict the real world. Um in controlled enough environments where, like, you know, certain assumptions you're using when using the equation are met. So, like, the real world asterisk, if you will. Nice. Um, <laughs> well played. <laughs> <laughs> um, real world it lets asterisk. you then introduce... <clears throat> Uh, the complications that the real world has yeah. slowly in a way that you are able to incorporate them into this understanding. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very similar to just like you learn addition and then you learn multiplication, which yeah. is addition, addition. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it, you just add a level of abstraction or complexity or whatever. Um, Math in intimidated me too. I always did good, like, but I didn't like it. Yeah. It, uh, calculus. I was in trigonometry and stuff. It was like, I'd show up and they'd be like, all right, these all things and on this side of this and then all these numbers and these letters are up here and this, this, this. And I was just like, okay. This is so boring. And then I'd get the test and I'd do it and she'd be like, you got a 93? And I'd be like, okay. Like, you got these two? And I was like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I forgot to carry the number there. I don't really care about this class. <laughs> and then I got like a, um, like a B plus is what I actually learned. Like, that's what I earned, I mean, not learned. And then she was like, if anybody wants to do extra credit, you just do this. And I was like... <laughs> So I did that, and then I got an A minus, which is the equivalent to an A back in my day. So it was like, so I don't really have to try very hard. And I get an A in calculus, and I don't really know what calculus is. Jupiter, I don't even know what calculus is. I got an A in calculus in high school. I don't know what it is. Do you want me to try to tell you? Yeah. Why? <laughs> First of all... I'm so sorry to just in front of all the people like just totally shit on whoever my <laughs> calculus teacher was. But I think what I'm saying is, dude, you were boring. <laughs> boring. Yeah. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Roasted, dude. Yeah. 30 years later or whatever it was. Let's be honest. He's probably dead. Let me read <laughs> Let's just go with that. Cause, so Quite he won't possible. be there. Yeah. So to all his descendants. All right. So what's calculus? <laughs> calculus is the math of continuity, of splitting things up into like thin slices and doing math with that.
Um, as a representation of the whole, or not necessarily? Yeah, as a representation of the whole, usually. So, like, the first... The first thing you pre-calculus, they teach you about derivatives. Yeah. Which is um, <clears throat> just this mathematical measure of, like, change over time. It's like you have some function, anything, that changes position over right. time. Right. And you can take that and turn it into what was the speed at each time using that same thing. Yeah. And it ends up being the slope of the graph at each of those points. Yeah. And that is what they call the derivative. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I that, remember this. That is what they do in pre-calculus where they teach you like, okay, um, you can get multiple things from the same information if you know what to do with them. You're like, you have the information about where an object was at what time with regard to some point or of origin. So you're like, oh, uh, it was five meters away, it was four meters away, and but this is how it went over time. And it, they teach you to know what the speed of that object was throughout that entire time from the same information. They teach right. you to calculate it. Um, so math and physics, is that a... Is that like a math and physics overlap? Yeah, math. So like, the, is that the math of physics or physics? Pe people like to say physics is applied math. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then chemistry is applied physics, and biology is applied chemistry, and um, psychology is applied biology, and sociology is applied psychology. Yeah. Um, I get those last few. I don't quite get how physics, how chemistry is applied physics. So chemistry... Because um, I don't understand chemistry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean yeah. you put the powder in and it goes, boo, like, oh, I like chemistry. Nah, I don't like chemistry yeah. when it's time to study for chemistry. <laughs> and that stuff happens because of physics. Like, yeah. The um, like chemical reactions happen because... The actual molecules and atoms touch each other, and those oh. interact in physical ways. Right, okay. Yeah. H2O, man. Wow. Yeah, like, and, like, that was where my ideas, um, when I was young, about the world as purely physical came from of like you can you, you can think of it as purely physical like you um <laughs> with enough information you can make very accurate predictions about what is going to happen moment to moment on a macroscopic scale say that again <laughs> yeah so if you know enough stuff, yeah, you can make pretty good predictions about what is going to happen, kind of broadly speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, like, the current physical model is not deterministic. 
meaning like it's you can't precisely calculate the future position of any situation yeah. given the current position <clears throat> and like information about the energy in it yeah because there are unknowns there are parts of reality that are fundamentally unknowable um, yeah unknowables not even unknowns unknowables yeah that's a better word than um, unknowns, yeah. And that is, like, the weirdest twist that I've had to be thrown in physics. Was <laughs> yeah, like, dude. You know. But what about the unknowable parts? <laughs> it's like, jeez. And, and <laughs> what do you do with that? The really cool thing about physics is that rather than be like, okay, that stuff is unknowable. Okay. Like, we can't do anything about it. We're like, here's exactly how unknowable it is. We've come up with the math that will prove precisely how not knowable it is yeah but how is so, it how close we got to knowing it does but that count as an unknowable? kind of kind of um it, it is largely like um you may have heard it said that like you can't know the velocity and position of an electron at the same time yes um it's more precise to say that the um precision with which you can know each of those things is inversely proportional to the other. So the more certain you are about the position, the less certain you can be fundamentally about the velocity. Um, and, Whoa. And this happens because at, uh, at that level of reality, of at things of that size, they do not... <laughs> Uh, exist in the same way things do. They exist in like a weird wave kind of way. Um, Their relationship status is complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, so you observe it, you observe the position, you become less certain about the velocity. Um, it's really interesting because there are ways in which you can observe this in macroscopic reality. Um, if you shine a laser at a, a narrow slit between two boards, um, right. when it shines between two boards that are far apart, the laser will just go right through and there'll be a single point, like right. a laser would always be. <clears throat> As you close it down on the laser, it goes from being a single point to being a spread outline, yes. not in the direction of right. the, I've, I've noticed the slit, this. but outward. And that happens because of Heisenberg uncertainty. Narrowing the slit to that point make, creates too much certainty on the position of the photons. Right. To the point that it makes the direction less certain, and they move out. Because they find a way, man. Man, that's cool. How did somebody figure that out, though, you know? Who started that laser deal? The crazy math. People spent a lot of time looking at lasers. Like, a lot of time. Yeah. Lasers were super cool in the 90s. I know that. Lasers are still super cool. <laughs> yeah. Laser, laser is a, an acronym. Um, light... What is it? It's like light amplified 
resolution. I can't remember, so I'm gonna look it up. Laser. Dude, you'd kick ass in Balderdash. Have you ever played Balderdash? <laughs> have you ever played Balderdash? Yeah, I have. But have I don't you ever played it. Beyond Balderdash? No. It's not just the words; it's like acronyms and dates. Wow. So if it'll be like, it'll say like June twentieth, nineteen fifty-seven, and you have to come up with a you a do a fake that would be. a fake. This is what this happened on this day. Yeah. They have acronym ones, and because of your knowledge of stuff. Yours would sound like potentially reasonable. This might really be the mm-hmm. acronym. I might be wrong, but it, it sounds like it's something it would be instead of just like if I tried to guess what laser stood for, it, all it would do is expose my lack of understanding of lasers. <laughs> Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. How in the hell do you stimulate radiation? The stimulated emission of radiation? Yeah. How do you fucking do that? That's what's going on up here. So the electricity stimulates it? Yeah. Got it. So radiation we use to describe, like, the scary thing, but, like, light is a type of radiation. Yeah. It's just not one that's dangerous in the quantities that we're usually around it in. Yeah. Um... So yeah, the radiation part just means that it's light. Um, And then it gets stimulated uh, usually through crystals, I think. I think you excite a crystal structure and it creates um, light that is very predictable in its polarity or the direction it moves. Um, And then you narrow that down further with your design of it that creates a single like point and there is potential crystal energy conversation if you went metaphysical with it and crystals like they're a physical thing like there is really cool stuff to be learned about crystals in physics courses it wasn't until like my last um or, like, my most recent semesters of college that we started talking about, like, crystal structure and its effect on uh, electromagnetic radiation and, like, the fact that that is a result of both its shape and its makeup. Because, like, what a crystal is, fundamentally, is um, atoms or molecules connected together in a repeatable pattern. Not a perfect pattern. You know, they're not perfect. Not all crystals look exactly the same. Yeah, but they do grow um, with a certain shape to them. Um, And that happens because of the way the atoms that make it up attach to each other. I love the idea of when I think about how long it takes for a crystal to form. Mm-hmm. naturally it just feels like special i don't know what, uh, what other word to use i'm not so sure i think of it as like m- magically spiritual as some people do mm-hmm. but i do think that it's special that they exist and it matters that they exist and they tell stories 
about our existence. But I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that we should be making confusion helmets made of crystal quite yet. Yeah. Because I'm not so sure it's actually going to help. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, your headaches, just put this crystal under your pillow. You'll be good tomorrow. And it's like, I don't know, man. That sounds an awful lot like you're going to pray for me to get healed from the headache. And I appreciate it. But it sounds like the same thing to me. <clears throat> so confusion helmets. <laughs> crystal confusion helmets. I could offend, dude, I could offend straight up the whole spectrum with that joke. And that, to me, is why it's so funny. <laughs> because it's like, I'm just joking. Like, I love the people that I know that are, like, into that stuff or that are not into that stuff. Love you guys. I'm just sort of making fun of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Damn, I think it's funny, though. And, like, you know, there are people who have, like, um, bad intentions and, like, yeah. an intention to manipulate um, in the community of people who, like, attach metaphysical meaning to crystals as well. Um, yeah, predators, very, uh, they just go like, make money off these the people. It's much smaller portion of the community. Um, kind of inherently from like what it is it'd be crazy if everyone doing it was doing it predatorily it'd be like who would they be preying on um but people do that um and physics and a physical intuition is one of the things that like can help you to um not get caught by stuff like that mm -hmm. so like when someone tells you about the vibrational frequency of crystals and you don't know anything about that, it's a lot easier to believe things about it than if you do know... Have like, some knowledge about these yeah, things. Yeah, what we, what we know about it, why we know what we know about it, how they did it, the math that lines up with it. Even if you don't understand the math entirely... Yeah, just know that the right. mathematicians did it. Yeah, and like a lot of the time, if you don't understand the math, you can um, try to build a foundation to get to a point where you can understand it. Because like yeah. not understanding math just means there's earlier math that you don't understand. Yeah. Because it all just builds on itself. Right. So somewhere along the way, you stopped doing math, and that's where your knowledge ended because you didn't keep studying more, right? You were in... You were in algebra, and then you were in geometry, and then you kept going. Somewhere along the way, you stopped. For a lot of people, it's high school or something in college, and then they just went, and then there isn't. Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about math since, right? And then yeah. iPhones, I mean, so, uh, smartphones with their calculators. I feel like the math community for a long time has been relying on people who are just really into math to, like... That's exactly right. ...survive. But isn't that true with everything? Like we'll leave we'll leave the space shuttle stuff it, to the people that are into that stuff. But like they don't <laughs> though. Like they also have the people who are into publicity and like some oh, types right. of nationalism and like yeah, I forgot about that. All these other things <laughs> around people in space, right. um, and like um, so maybe the best thing we can do is actually let the. Let the scientists be the scientists. 
And let the mathematicians be the mathematicians. No? So you're saying that I'm saying we as a people need to learn more, right? Gummy we have this idea that like math is hard and some people just don't need to learn math. And like <laughs> it's true that you don't need to, but it can be rewarding and interesting and like actually help you to better understand the world and the universe. So if you're interested in that, some math is helpful. That's been, I mean, that would be like in my pursuit to continue to learn more. And I've been reading all sorts of other things. I'm like, math, <laughs> math was nowhere on that radar of what I wanted to do. And then I got the astronomy book, started learning some basic stuff. I went to like a used bookstore when I was on vacation and just like got a few. And then there's a local bookstore here in Boone. That's just this tiny used, awesome place. Mm-hmm. But I got to the back of the book with astronomy and there was all these math equations and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm like, that's my next thing. I got a fear. I got a face. It's like yeah. math, like advanced math. Oh, I, I could probably recommend some books. I, and, and like some like videos. Cause like I watch math videos that are like entertaining, um, broadly for me. Um, I mean, that's, that's the most spot on unique sentence I've heard in a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, you want to know something about Jupiter? <laughs> Go for it, Jupiter. I watch <laughs> yeah. mad the thing is, like, videos it's for entertainment. Like a bunch of people watch them. I know. know. Um, yeah, it's not just you. But it's, but you know what though? It's a certain kind of person, I'll tell you that. It, and I don't mean from a social perspective. I mean it's a certain kind of brain. Only a certain kind of brain is watching a video like that, man. But, like... Math, though. Like... I realize that math has practical value in, like, the real world to a certain point. But then past a certain point, you're like, unless you're literally <clears throat> pursuing something about this, it doesn't have to be a career in money. That's not the point at all. Because like what I was saying, I'm not sure if we were recording yet, but it's like passion doesn't always have to be the thing that you're paid by someone. Set that aside. But like, in lift, in, what are you going to pursue in math? What do you new math, do with that? Like the, the field of math is being expanded. Like new math is coming out. It was just a few months ago that we discovered a new um, shape that they call it a. Um, I want to say they call it a uniform monotile. It's a shape that are non-uniform, non-uniform monotile. I'm gonna try that. It's like a kid's book. Uh, now we got to recall the kid's book and print that. It's not just hexagons and stuff. It's uniform. What is it called? Here, let me see if I can. A new shape, bro. A periodic monotile is what it is. That's not gonna sell. We got to go with a. We got to call it something more di like dumbed down, like a moxagon. And this is a shape, but it also demonstrates why it's cool. Um, this is cool. That's the shape. Of course, it's a shape, but what's cool about it? 
No, like, how do they know that it's a shape? How did they observe this? So, like, there's a paper I haven't read that was part of, like, the discovery of this specific shape. Um, what it does is it tiles the plane, but it doesn't do so in repeating patterns. This occurs naturally. Um, I don't know that. This, it does come about, like, from nature, I guess. Like, it is something discovered in math. Right, It's just, that's what I'm getting at. It was discovered, not created, right? I mean, you know, did, did someone create the wheel, or was the wheel discovered, you know? Like, but if I just grabbed a piece of paper and drew some other shape, I'd be like, look, I found a new shape. That's not what that is. Right. Like, this one was mathematically found. Let me see if... if Do you realize, like, my brain doesn't even understand what that means. How is a shape discovered mathematically, dude? What does that even mean? All right. So let's let's read through the abstract. It's definitely going to be parts both of us don't understand. But, like, see if it gives us kind of an idea of at least, like, how they were going about finding a weird yeah. shape. This is awesome. A long-standing open problem asks for an aperiodic monotile, also known as an Einstein, a shape that admits tiling of the plane, but never periodic tilings. We answer this problem for topological disk tiles by exhibiting a continuum of combinatorially equivalent aperiodic polygons. We first show that a representative example, the hat polykite, can form clusters called metatiles, for which substitution rules can be defined. Because the metatiles continuum of polygons are aperiodic, through a new kind of geometric incommensurability argument. What does incommensurability mean? <laughs> I gotta look that one up. The goods that has a, the potential for an acronym. <laughs> it means lacking a basis of comparison in respect to a quality normally subject to comparison. Yeah, you can't compare that thing to anything. You can't compare that shape to anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, but not not easily. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Given a set of two-dimensional tiles, the nature of planar tilings that they admit arises from a deep interaction between the local and the global. Constraints on the ways that a pair of tiles can be drawn determine this. Yeah. Somebody should make a puzzle of it. I bet someone has. I bet you can buy a bunch of aperiodic monotiles. And it even would sell. And they would be called a peri- What is it called? Aperiodic monotile. Air- aperiodic yeah, monotile. So period. Without a period. <laughs> one tile. Aperiodic monotile. Right? Yeah. I'm saying it right. I was just doing word association. Yeah. Aperiodic monotiles at, at the... At um, say home goods. 
Would you say they'd sell at Home Goods? Yeah. Or maybe at higher end. Like not Boone might not even have what that store would be. It'd be like more like a city store. Air periodic monotiles, and they're like the new version of puzzles. And uh, it's all the new rage. Yeah. It's great because kids have piles of aperiodic <laughs> monotiles and they just put them together in all sorts of ways that they want to. That would actually be really cool. I know. Like, <laughs> and be like, you, because you cannot make a pattern that repeats from them. Like, you can try. And you can even sell it with that as a. Oh, thing. you can it's try. Like, <laughs> you will fail. We'll sell you more. Try to make a repeating pattern. <laughs> we dare you. If we you, dare you. Well, we could be like, find a repeating pattern and we'll give you a full refund yeah we're like we'll give you double re- no don't do that just in case <laughs> okay somebody nails it and everyone figures it out you just lost your business <laughs> you would just say the first person <laughs> there we go <laughs> there's an episode of home improvement you remember that show existing mm-hmm. Tim Allen and yeah, and he goes Ooh. yeah, that guy. Uh, <clears throat> he there was an episode where Al, I want to say his sidekick guy, invents a board game, and I don't remember what it was, but it was sort of like the game of life, but it was like with home improvement stuff. He like made it himself, and he got on an infomercial, and he was so confident that you'll love this game, and people were buying it. Um, and it was like, oh, I'm gonna make a entrepreneurial career move and this thing's going to explode and be amazing but he said like if if, if you're not sa- I'm so satisfied I'm so confident in this if you're not satisfied I'll give you your double your money back and then like after he made them all and he's like doing the commercial it shorts out and the fire starts in the game and like messes it up so then that happens with all the games and then he has to give back the double money of everything that he made so he like the whole thing is over so Deep, like early on as a kid, I was like, never offer double your money back to everyone. <laughs> It'll come back to bite you. That's, that's the lesson. They were it really to... is a good lesson. But Tim Allen said, I saw him in an interview because he's a comedian. Like I followed stand-up comedy my whole life. So I first knew him as a comedian before he was a TV show dude. And mm-hmm. he has said, and I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but it was like, Early in his career, he was doing comedy, and he realized the demographic that was there, and some joke happened, and he just told this story, and he made this one noise one time, and the crowd just, like, responded. So then every time he would, like, do a new set, he would tie it in and do that noise, and it hit, so then it became his, like, branding, and so much so that, like, they wanted him to do a TV show as the guy. And it all, he didn't go into comedy being like, I've got a joke I think is funny. I'll just go, Ugh. like, it just sort of happened to him. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's a weird aspect of comedy, too, is some of the people are being a persona. And some of them are just being, they're telling stories and they're embellishing the stories. But they're they're still being like themselves, and it's like some people can't tell the difference, even though it's like should be pretty obvious. If someone tells like um, Anthony Jeselnik, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. He tells like dark jokes on purpose of like 
babies dying and stuff. Yeah. In a straight face. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe these things. He's just being a persona. And, and although it could be argued that it still comes from a dark place inside of him, you know, Andrew Dice Clay, you know that name? Just the name. From the 80s and before and after, but he was in like leather jacket and he'd have a cigarette and he'd be like, oh, and he'd be like, little Miss Muffet, you know, like that. And it's like, you know, that guy doesn't act like that all the time, right? <laughs> he's just like in character. And yeah. some people are like, he's such a misogynist and like, he's in character. I mean, but it's tough. It's tough to know, like, where the line is. Yeah. I think the line is when you expose something with it. If there's something negative, you expose something that needed to be exposed about a toxic version of what that character is doing. As a way of kind of prophetically holding up a mirror to society and teaching them. But I don't know. That's how I view comedy. Some people just go, no, it just sounds like a sexist comment. (laughs) It's like... Oh, there's a lot of nuance in it, man. All right, so I I, I think I need to add math to my list. <laughs> got to add math, and oh, I'm not looking forward. To I got some books I can loan you. I got a book called Things to Make and Do in the Fourth Dimension. That's perfect for things about things. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It has things in it. Yeah. Things to make and do in the fourth dimension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Because that's, that's kind of what you're doing, I guess, in math, right? Yeah, I mean, you're learning about it. We're doing stuff in four dimensions right now. We got three spatial in one time. What is that? How is that? Like, time and space are kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> time and space are kind of the same thing. You've, you've got a couple t-shirt ones, man. T-shirt quotes tonight. You can imagine time as its own direction. And yeah. we exist being pushed through three-dimensional cross-sections of a four-dimensional shape. Um, reality. You can imagine like a stack of photos. And we experience life going through the stack as one proceeds into the other. And that is time. The only difference is instead of a photo, a two-dimensional object, we are fully 3D. Dang. All right. Say it again. But don't, you don't have to dumb it down. Say it again, because I'm going to lock in what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Um... So time is itself a dimension, like the three spatial dimensions that we're familiar with. Um, You can define three axes. Um, Time can be thought of as an additional direction from those three, perpendicular to all of them. And we experience time by being pushed through... um, Frames, if you will, instances of three-dimensional reality that are stacked against each other in the time direction. Right. So you can think of it by combining two dimensions 
um, with one time dimension, uh, and that you can imagine a three-dimensional object, three total dimensions, as you stack two-dimensional yeah. realities into another direction. We have a four-dimensional reality where three-dimensional frames are stacked in a fourth direction. Yeah, yeah, okay, I see it this time, sort of, you know. Yeah. Whoa. I often think of it as like film, like um, like a film reel, yeah. and we're all connected to, but they're two-dimensional frames connected, and we are a full three-dimensional space connected yeah. to another one going in the direction of time. But what do we do about that, man? I guess that's where and that book comes in. That's the thing is, like, what do we do about it? It's just real. Like, that is... Like, we came up with that by just trying to figure out what was going on. And, like, it's just... So it's just awareness. It. it is. And, like, all of math is just, like, observing something and seeing how it works. Uh, and, like, a sum of math is being, like, I wonder if we can find this thing. And... Yeah. You go look for it, and sometimes all you do is say, yep, we proved that you can find this thing, but we couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> it can be found. Yeah. We are 100% certain that it can be found. We did not find it. We have proven that it's possible. Happens all the time. So the pos it's possible. Yeah. Right. You can prove that something's possible, but not you can't necessarily accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah, like And then and then when the scientific community or or some in the scientific community would say or math community say you can't accomplish it yet. And that yeah, and then innovation um, comes in and and Yeah, yeah, if it's something where you're like we've proven it can be done but we can't do it right now. Um flying then, flying to the moon. Yeah. Wouldn't that be an example of, like, at one point, a scientist would yeah. say, we've proven that we can go to the moon, but we haven't gone, we can't do it yet. And we tried and we failed. But we, we can do it. We proved the it's maths there. We got it. Is that... Is that yeah. A, it's a similar, but in math, it's like, um, it's a different barrier of, like... Yeah. Proving you can find something and then not finding it versus, like, proving that you can get to the moon and not having it gotten to the moon. One, like, kind of inherently makes more sense, I think, mm -hmm. to people. Um, of, like, yeah, to, you have to do a task and it's difficult. How do you prove with certainty that, like, a number exists but you don't know which number it is? Right. And, like, the answer is it's really... Freaking complicated is, I, I didn't even have to take that part of math because I do physics. <laughs> Man, but like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of that kind of approach in life? What does it do for us? The the extreme versions like this, mm -hmm. you know. So like, like, what's the point of finding that number? You can think of something like Avogadro's number, which is the number of, um, well, 
I'm, I'm not doing that one because I can't remember it. Yeah. We'll go back to Heisenberg that one. Uncertainty okay. like I was doing. There's a constant called the Heisenberg constant, or we just call it H-bar. And it is a number that lets you understand um, the ratio between how certain you can be about two things that are quantumly connected, like position yeah. and velocity. Also, um, energy and time are something that is connected like this. The more you wow. know about the energy something has, the less you know about the particular time of your measurement. There it is again. It's a similar thing you talked about earlier. The more you know about one aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we were able to, dis to find a number yeah. that allows us to relate those things directly and be able to make predictions about the least knowable thing in the universe, like something that is fundamentally not deterministic. We are still able to predict and be like, this is the probability that this state will occur. This is the probability that this other state will occur. Um, wow. We can't, like, we, we cannot de definitively say which one will happen at all, but we can guarantee that this is the ratio of what will happen if this happens over and over and over again. Yeah, man. And ha that would be crazy to determine something. But I guess the que I still go with, like, what? What's the point? You know? It, what's, what's it meant to accomplish? I guess it's just usable knowledge. It's meant to accomplish whatever someone wants to accomplish with it, right? This right here. All of this uses really complicated um, computational physics called Fourier transforms, um, which allow you to shift from... Um, um, It's frequency space. You're shifting from something to frequency space. I'm trying to remember what the name of the other space is. Um, you got no help here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, in order to, like, properly mix these microphones and have them work properly, and even a lot of the camera stuff, it's doing really complicated math that somebody figured out that allows this all to happen. Yeah. Um, Man, that's, uh, I feel like I swallowed a fire hose yeah. of math and science. But in reality, probably, it's not much. It's just that it's a lot relative to what I'm used to. Uh, man, I can't tell if, uh, if it ever changed, uh, angles or anything. <laughs> if it's just set here the whole time. It may have been. I think I, it did. That's so funny. I think I did. I think it did. <laughs> That's so good stuff. Funny. And I think I might remember why. It's too late now, man. I love. <laughs> I love. It is what it is, you know. So if you're still listening uh, and watching, the other voice is Jason English. <laughs> that it's Jupiter. I'm Jupiter. The off-screen voice is Jason. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like we're like 
at a good stopping place, really. Yeah, yeah. You know? Me too. Yeah.